Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning. Well, today we're talking about a wrestling match. Do we have any wrestlers in here? Yeah, not, not necessarily with God. I know how you wrestle, right? Anybody who wrestles you is done, okay? So uh, I used to wrestle 120-pound uh, ninth grader or 10th grader or whatever I was. This is how what I found out real quick. It didn't matter if I was less strong or more strong than the guy that I was wrestling with. It mattered how quick I was and that I can outmaneuver him and not get pinned with a half Nelson or, or something. So we do that with God. Have you ever tried to outmaneuver God? You know, I'm up quicker. He ain't going to pin me on this one, you know? Have you ever thought that? Well, Jacob wrestled all night long with God. God had to do some drastic measures to uh, change him into the person he wanted him to be. And that's what we're talking about. In fact, he didn't even just change him on the inside. He changed his name from Jacob to Israel. So let's catch up because we're towards the end of the Genesis series. We've got one more week next week. We've been going through the whole book, touching on the high points of the message so that the end of the Bible makes sense. Because if you watch a movie, if you don't know the beginning, the end and the middle doesn't make sense. It's the same thing with the Bible. We talked about last week uh, Abraham and the test and how God tested Abraham's obedience in that would he offer up Isaac, the promised son, to the Lord as a sacrifice. And we have to understand that even though God provided the lamb for the sacrifice, Abraham had already sacrificed his son in his heart. And so when God provided the lamb, it was actually as if Isaac was resurrected from the dead. Now, Isaac moves on. He marries. Does anyone know who Isaac married? Rebecca. And they had twins. What was their name? Esau and Jacob. Who was the older? Esau was the older one. Now, you remember what Jacob did, though, to Esau? With his mother's help. Stole the blessing of the elder son from his brother. So Esau is ticked, and he's going to have to have a meeting with Esau. And he's scared. But in chapter 28 of Genesis, Jacob has a dream. Do you remember what's in the dream? There's a ladder, and it says angels are descending and ascending on the ladder. That's where we said the saying, Jacob's ladder. Do you know that Jesus referred directly to this passage, to this event, to this dream, by saying this? Jesus said to him, Nathaniel, when he meets Nathaniel, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descended on the Son of Man. So what is Jesus saying? I am the ladder. I am the way. I am the gate. And that's amazing. So now, if you have your Bibles, just real quick, if you can turn to Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 13. So Jacob has this dream. He says, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. 
The land on which you lie, Jacob, I will give it to you and to your descendants. It's the promised land. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and in your descendants or your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And that's prophetically speaking of Jesus Christ, the seed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, which in Hebrew is Bethel, and this is the gate of heaven. Jesus refers back to this thousands of years later and says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So now Jacob, in chapter 29, he marries. Does anyone remember what Jacob's wife's name? Rachel. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute. (laughs) My wife's very biblically scholarly because it's true that he loved Rachel, but Leah... Laban was Jacob's uncle. Jacob fell in love with Rachel. So he said, I want to marry Rachel. So Laban is a conniver, just kind of like Jacob. They runs in the family. So he says, okay, work for me for seven years, and I'll give you Rachel. So Jacob works for Laban for seven years, and on the day he gets married, he does the old hat trick. He switched him out. So then he's married to Leah, and... Laban says, well, I couldn't give my younger daughter before the older daughter because Leah was older. So Jacob's like, dude, what is going on? You lied to me. He said, okay, you work for me another seven years and I'll give you Rachel. (laughs) And he's like, okay. So he works another seven years and he finally gets married to Rachel. And now he's in a quandary. (laughs) Then he works another seven years. So he worked 21 years for Laban, Rachel, sadly could not conceive. So guess what Rachel does? (laughs) The same thing that the the rest of the family did. Here, sleep with my handmaid, Bilhah, because obviously we need to help God out. So this is an ongoing theme here. You see how it runs in the family? Because Abraham did that. Isaac actually did it too. And then they have kids. All together, they have 12 sons. Leah, the sons of Leah were Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, finally Rachel, God blessed her and opened her womb. She had Joseph and Benjamin. And then Bilhah, the maid, had Dan and Naphtali. All those 12 are the 12 tribes of Israel, which Jacob's name was changed. Now, Jacob was a conniver, a manipulator, He had the same characteristics as Abraham, his grandfather, and Isaac, his father. In fact, Abraham influenced Isaac to do the same type of conniving and lying that he did. In Genesis 26, it says, So Isaac lived in Gerar. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, She is my sister. Where's that from? (laughs) Abraham did the same thing with Sarah. For he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebecca, for she is beautiful. You see how sin passes on down generation, generation. At some generation, someone has to stand up and say no more. Those people are called chain breakers. 
and they mainly give their lives to the Lord Jesus in faith, and they're saved, and then God can really change them. It doesn't mean that you don't sin, but it means that you're consciously aware of, I don't want to do those things that run in my family, or I don't want to be that person. I want to be God's person. So Jacob, in order to be molded into God's person, had a wrestling match, which God initiated all night long. And this is the wrestling match. Have you ever wrestled with God over something? A lot of people say, well, in prayer, we wrestle, right? We ask, and then we don't have an answer right away. Or the answer is no, and we're not willing to give up on that. So we say, Lord, just please give me what I want. And then what do we learn from Jesus, where Jesus, the night before he's crucified, and he said, Father, if it's possible that this cup pass by me, but nevertheless, what? Your will be done. We also wrestle in worship. Part of our faith grows through prayer, through worship. In fact, this morning, I don't know about you, but I was here earlier to be with Mike and and his worship leading during the setup time. And there's a time where people are praying over the chairs. I was even worshiping then as I should. That's why it's so important. We miss the blessing of God often because we don't come to worship. We kind of come whenever, you know, oh, whenever it's convenient or whatever. But part of that wrestling and part of that growing comes out of worship. Now, by default, I'm a very strong-willed person, which, if used by God, can accomplish some things. But if not letting God use, could be detrimental to a lot of things, including relationships. One time my friend said, hey, I want to take you to this prophecy seminar. And there's this guy who's a well-known prophet. He speaks prophecy into people's lives. And so I went, and I kind of wanted to hide in the back. I had a hat on. (laughs) I didn't want to hear from the Lord that day, you know. So he's going around, he's saying stuff about other people. And I go, okay, people are, they're confirming that this is a move of the Spirit. It's not just some guy talking, because they're saying, yes, that's what the Lord saying to me in this. And I was trying to hide, and all of a sudden, he looks right at me, and I was like, Oop, you know, and he goes, you, you're tenacious. You're like a dog with a bone. I said, okay, you found me out, you know. The problem is, is that dogs with bones don't usually know when to give it up, right? Is that anyone in here, too? And being headstrong like Jacob or Abraham or anybody. Paul, the apostle Paul, was extremely headstrong. In fact, he was fighting against God so much, God had to knock him off his horse to get his attention. Being headstrong, if I'm heading in the right direction, then headstrong's good. If I'm not, if I'm fighting against God, it ain't good. And that's that submission. It's like a horse, a beautiful horse in the field, a strong horse, That horse is of no good to the master unless it's broken. And that's what God tries to do in our life. He wants to break us, not for destruction or defeat, actually. He wants to break us for success and victory in the Lord. If we'll just hand over the bone and quit thinking that I got to be in charge. The Apostle Paul in wrestling with God, the Bible says he was kicking against the goats, the animal, and he was... He was in his own world. And after God broke him, he changed his name. It was Saul, 
And he changed it to Paul, which means little or humble. Saul, you thought you were great, but now this is who you are. And Paul became that person. God had to break Jacob. He had to change his name to Israel. And after wrestling with God, Jacob walked with a limp. And he came to the same conclusion the Apostle Paul did, where Paul writes, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because when I am weak in myself and in my humility and in my vulnerability, that's when God can take over. Because it's not until I come to the end of myself that the beginning of who I am can actually become what it is. My book, Healing Steps, I document God's breaking process in my life. I wrestled against him my whole life. Even as a believer, I wrestled. And I finally, because of what God allowed in my life, the trial and tribulation of those three years, I finally gave up, but not without a blessing. I said, God, give me a blessing. And that's what's happening. Jacob said, I don't want to waste this fight. I lost, but give me a blessing. And that's what's happening here. And so Jacob, he's in the land there, and he's afraid, and it's night, and he's alone, because wrestling matches with God usually happen at night when you're alone. Amen? Isn't there something about the nighttime that your thoughts start to take over, your, your feelings, and you start to think about stuff that's not real? And you start to wrestle with God. But you know what's good about that? That wrestling with God, if you're willing to submit and just give up and surrender, that's an incredible prayer life. My prayer life excels at night. Because I've learned, instead of ruminating on these negative, destructive thoughts, I'm going to talk to God. And when I talk to God, He doesn't change. I do. God wants to change me. He wants to change you because he doesn't want you to live in a faux reality or a fake world where your thoughts and feelings dictate rather than God's truth in your life. And that's why fear is known as false evidence appearing real oftentimes. Now, there is a real fear of certain things that we should have. That's a natural response. I remember when I was running a few years ago and I came around a corner and I saw a big animal with her cub and I didn't know if it was a bobcat or a mountain lion, but all I knew was about 50 yards away and I had to run around. They said, oh, just jump up and down. I go, no, I'm not big enough to jump up and down. So I'm running the other way. That was my fastest time ever. Um, I broke every record. That's a real fear. But when we have false evidence appearing real and it starts to take over our life, That's unhealthy, and God doesn't want that. So Jacob struggled. You know Jacob struggled with fear in chapter 32. It says, the messengers returned to Jacob. So Jacob sends out his messengers to find out about Esau. He says, we came to your brother Esau, and furthermore, he's coming to meet you, Jacob. And 400 men are with him. And Esau was a big guy, and Jacob was scared. Because Jacob outmaneuvered and manipulated His brother, now, his brother was a knucklehead because he gave up his blessing for stew, pot of soup. But nevertheless, Jacob connived his way into that blessing. 
So it says in verse 7, Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. So here's the question. When you're greatly afraid and distressed, what do you do in that situation? Here's the thing. Jacob did learn from his grandfather and his father how to lie and manipulate, but there's something else he learned how to do. And this is where it is in Genesis chapter 32 in verses 9 through 12. After Jacob became afraid and distressed, he talked to God. He said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you said to me, return to your country and to your relatives and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan. Now I've become two companies or two camps, which means there's a lot of people now in his family. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, Lord, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. So what is Jacob doing? He's talking to God. It sounds like he's reminding God what God promised, but he's reminding himself what God promised. And that's why it's so important to pray and pray in the word and read the Psalms. So it was the same night that he's praying. The same night is when the wrestling match occurred. So here's verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. So he's alone. It's dark. It's night. And he wrestles with a man. And that word wrestled is interesting. You know, Jacob in Hebrew is actually pronounced Yaakov. Does anyone know what it means? Heel grabber, supplanter, one who follows on another's heels. So kind of like, hey, take me along with you. You know, give me your blessing. Kind of that conniving, manipulating kind of thing. Now the word wrestled, in the form in the sentence, is Yavek, which sounds like Yaakov. It's a play on words. It's a play on Jacob's name because the man is about to turn the tables on Jacob. And do you know where the wrestling match took place? The river Yabok. So you have Yaakov Yakeving with the man at Yabok. So do you see the play? God is just amazing. He's like, this is the epiphany, Jacob. This has been planned since before the foundation of the world. This wrestling match, this land, I had it all figured out. Now notice the man initiates the wrestling match, right? Jacob doesn't initiate it. This man initiates it because God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay the same. He wants us to change. Kenneth Matthews says, The passage heightens the name Jacob, for it conveyed as much as anything the selfish character he exhibited until his transformation at the Yabok. So a man. Who is this man? Some believe it's Jesus Christ appearing in the Old Testament, which would be a Christophany. Um, Some believe it is God, Yahweh, appearing, which would be a Theophany. We do know this. The man that Jacob wrestled with God and with man. So he said he wrestled with God and with man. So we don't know from that. But he does say in verse 30 that he saw God face to face. 
So a lot of people believe he wrestled with God himself. That's why some people have a theological problem with how can he lose to God? He didn't. How could God lose to Jacob? That's not what happened, but that's a whole discussion itself. The man, though, refused to reveal his identity. In fact, Jacob said, what is your name? And the guy says, I'm not telling you what my name is. Now, the prophet Hosea gives us more insight when he says, in the womb, Jacob took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity, he contended to wrestle with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. So we have God and we have an angel. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. So I don't know if we can really know if it was God, Jesus, or an angel. Definitely some type of being from outside this world. We know in Genesis 32:30. so Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. So if you've been in a normal wrestling match with another human being, you have a chance. This is not the case. This is not a normal wrestling match. Jacob is wrestling in a weight class way above himself, and you will surely lose the wrestling match with God. Now, the good news is, by losing, you win. And the wrestling match lasted all night. Jacob put quite a fight. He says, when he, the man, saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob. So, gosh, who is Jacob? What, is he like Superman or something? What the heck is going on? Well, we know that Jacob was, it says in chapter 25, his brother Jacob came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. And by the way, that would take some type of strength as a little baby to be like holding on. Oh, I'm coming out, you know, and not letting go. So Jacob was strong because we read that he was able to lift a huge stone where the sheep needed to be watered. We also know that he worked 21 years for Laban in difficult circumstances. And we also know Jacob never gave up. He was a runner, strong-willed, always trying to stay one step ahead of trouble. I relate to Jacob. You relate to Jacob? My life growing up was trying to manipulate and connive myself into certain situations. I did it in a way that was overt so people couldn't tell. But I was always behind the scenes trying to turn the tables, make it prosperous for me. And oftentimes I'd hurt other people. That was my life. And so when I hear it, there's a song by Bob Seger called Still the Same. Have you ever heard that song? I've been hearing it a lot lately, and I'm like, I want to sing that at church. I'm like, why would I sing it at church? Oh, because you're at the gate. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to, you don't have to not sing secular songs. I mean, if they fit. So in a minute, I'm going to sing that song. But I want you to listen to the words, because there's lyrics in there like, you're so good, no one's gotten to you yet. You always said the cards would never do you wrong. The trick you said was never play the game too long. This is about a guy that was like Jacob, maybe like you and like me. So I want to sing this, and then we'll discuss more of it. You know, I've used Tom Petty's words, you know, the waiting is the hardest part for theological insight. Well, now I'm going to use Bob Seger, uh, still the same. <laughs>
was one every time you placed the bed. You're so good, no one's gotten to you yet. And every time there was sure that had you caught, you were quicker than they thought. You just turn her back and walk. You always said. The cards would never do you wrong. The trick you said was never play the game too long. A gambler's share, the only risk that you would take, the only loss you could forsake, the only bluff you could earn fake. And you're still the same. I caught up with you yesterday. Moving game to game, no one's standing in your way. Turning on the charm, long enough to get you by. And you're still the same. Still aim high, and there you stood. Everybody watched you play. And I just turned and walked away. I had nothing left to say, and you're still the same. Moving game to game. Something's never changed. And you're still the same. Thank you very much. I'll be appearing nightly. Where else can your pastor sing like Bob Steger songs? And the point is here: God doesn't want you to stay the same. That's the whole point. God loves you the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants to change you. And the only way you're changed is through that wrestling and you finally say, Lord, I'm tired. Bless me. Change me. I was that person. It's not until I was able to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And I had walked with the Lord. I came to Christ in 1991. I was 29 years old. I came to faith in him. But I still tried to hang on to that old Jacob. And it wasn't until I gave up that I got the blessing. Interestingly enough, he changed my name. It's the same name. It means love. But I think it was a symbol that you're not that old person. 
You're a new person in Christ, but you're a new person in Christ. The moment you come to faith, <laughs> that doesn't mean that you surrender the wrestling match yet. Do you need to surrender? Do you need a blessing? I mean, I'll tell you what, I, I admire Jacob for at least giving it a shot. <laughs> he lasted all night long. Here's the thing. God was going to use Jacob in an incredible way to change the world and to change the narrative of the world and to bring birth to a nation that still exists today and where God will be coming back to reside in Israel, in Jerusalem. That's a big change. And Jacob could not inherit the blessing of the promised land until he surrendered the match. You will not inherit the blessing until you surrender to God. So he goes on. He touched the socket of his thigh, the man or the angel. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. So have you ever tried to wrestle on one good leg? You know, that doesn't go over too well. Probably get knocked over pretty quick. Shepherds with sheep, they would often, if there was a wandering lamb that was always in peril, always leaving the sheep pen, kind of lost, out in the field where the wolves are, the shepherd would often, because he loved that lamb, would break or dislocate the leg so that the lamb would stick close to the shepherd. Touching the socket of Jacob meant that he couldn't move the way he moved. He couldn't run the way he ran. He couldn't fight the way he fought. God had to injure him where it mattered most. And that is how God works. And he uses his word. Hebrews 4.12, read it with me. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God uses his word with his spirit in the life of his lambs and his sheep to sometimes dislocate our joint so that we will be changed. Now, the word thigh in Hebrew literally means upper thigh, it could mean below the waist or above the thigh. It's actually uh, sometimes translated this way in Exodus. All the persons who came from the loins, it's the same word of Jacob, were 70 in number, but Joseph was already in Egypt. So I'll let you connect the dots there. Um, I think God had to hit him where it hurt the most. Because here's the thing. Abraham's seed would be the seed that brought forth Christ through the loins of Jacob. And he needed a good kick in the you-know-where because the loins belong to God. Everything, every part of us belongs to him. And his promise will go forth the way he wants his promise to go forth, no matter how much we put up a fight. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says, the point is clear, the assailant gave Himself the advantage, Jacob, the deceitful fighter, was crippled by a supernatural blow. In a word, like so many of his rivals, Jacob now encountered someone he could not defeat. Here's the thing. Who's coming at him with 400 men? Esau. Do you think Jacob could deal 
properly with the brother that had he had caused resentment if he did not first deal with God. I mean, there's so many dynamics going on here. See, the Bible is very clear. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Love one another. Pray for one another. If I have resentment or if someone else has resentment towards me, go first and reconcile yourself to your brother or your sister in Christ. And Jesus is using the atmosphere of corporate worship to do that. And in fact, as today, as we're going to take the Lord's Supper together, maybe there's some unreconciled unforgiveness in your life, or maybe you need to write down, I need to go unto this person and reconcile. Saying that can cause that little wrestling match. But that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. I can't deal with my Christian brother or my sister or anyone else, for that matter, if I haven't been dealt with by God. How can I love my brother and my sister in Christ and forgive them the way Christ forgave me if I first don't experience that from the Lord? So that's why God is dealing with us. And now Jacob is ready to finally enter the land because by losing, you will be blessed. When you're ready to give up and surrender to God's will, he will be blessed. Verse 26, Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking, because he didn't want him to see him in the light. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So that's something to fight for. Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless my kids. I'm not going to let you go until you bless my ministry. Lord, I'm not going to let you go. I need you. I need you more than anything in this world can offer. Please bless me, Lord, because I took my brother's blessing. Think about this. Is this grace or not? Jacob finagled his brother's blessing, and now God is about to bless Jacob. That's grace. He didn't deserve that. Did he deserve anything good? Do we deserve anything good? It's a blessing from God. Jesus said, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Because I don't know about you, but innately, I'm a wrestler. We wrestle for our rights, our privileges our desires, our dreams. But it isn't until I'm ready to relinquish those things to the Lord and say, Lord, bless me, that I'll get it a 100,000 times better because I'm doing it God's way. There was a poem found in a Civil War soldier pocket who was shot and killed at Gettysburg. They found this poem, and this is what he wrote. He wrote, I asked for strength that I might achieve He made me weak that I might obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. He gave me grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. He gave me poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. He gave me weakness that I might feel a need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. He gave me life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing I asked for. He gave me everything I hoped for. That's perspective. 
Because when you lose, you win. And last, don't miss God's purpose for the wrestling match. It's change. He doesn't want you to stay the same. He wants you to change by his grace. So in verse 27 and 28, sorry, the man said to Jacob, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, Yaakov. He said, your name will no longer be Yaakov, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Do you know what an incredible turning point this is in the history of the world? This is the birth of Israel. You know, I told you, Yaakov means heel grabber, supplanter. Do you know what Israel means? Well, El means God. Elohim, El. Rael comes from the root word Sarah, which means to prevail as a prince would prevail. Remember I told you Sarah's name meant princess? So Israel means God will prevail. Or some people say God will fight for you. Because here's the thing. Jacob had to give up fighting for himself and start letting God fight. That's how Israel survives. God wants to fight for you. As we jump forward to chapter 35, so this is later. And it said, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aran and he blessed him. So God appears to Jacob again. And God said to him, your name is Yaakov. You shall no longer be Yaakov, but Yisrael shall be your name. Thus he called him Yisrael. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. You know who else he said that? Abraham and Sarah. And kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Yitzhak, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your seed, or your descendants after you, which is Israel. The land is God's, but the person that God chose to become Israel had to become the vision. I always say that. It's awesome to have visions for your life and dreams and desires, but until those can come true, you have to become that in your heart. This church is a perfect example. We are becoming the vision God has for us, but it has to start in our heart. If Jesus is the gate, and that means that he's the connection point to God, then shouldn't we be moving gates, like walking around outside saying, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. Yes, that's what we should be doing. So as we're going to move into the Lord's Supper, I want to encourage you to receive the blessing God has for you. And obviously, there's no greater blessing than Jesus Christ. So hopefully, you've received Jesus Christ. If not, you can do that now, and you just say, Lord, come into my life. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I want to be saved. I want to be a new person in Christ. Holy Spirit, come into my life. I believe that you died, Jesus, for my sins, and you rose again. If you haven't done that yet, hopefully you did that, because the Lord's Supper is for believers, It's a symbol and a remembrance of what Christ did for us. So that's an incredible blessing that no one can take away. But there's other blessings that God wants to give into your life. And all you have to do is surrender the fight and say, Lord, bless me. You bless me. I'm tired of stealing other people's blessings or trying to. I want your blessing for my life. Lord, thank you so much that we can look 
a Jacob. And we can look at this wrestling match and we can find ourselves in the wrestling match because, Lord, we are innately wrestlers. And that can be a good thing because wrestling is how you form us. You initiate it. But then when we have to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And when we say that, we can truly receive the blessing of the land and the blessing of God because we've seen the face of God. You are the one who fights for us, and we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you visit if you're in the area. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegateoc.com. Amen.